Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? You know. Wow. <laughs> wow. That makes it sound like what a difficult day, but it's just like a normal, exhausting day. A normally exhausting day. Just a normal day as a human on Earth dealing with it all. Let me tell you something. Oh, boy. I spent the morning with our second born, and I- I like how much that sounds like something from Game of Thrones. Second born. Oh, second born. I spent all morning trying to get her to go outside. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know- She did not want to go outside. uh, That's where the bugs and the sun- and the dirt is. Yeah, but we are it the seasons, they are a change in. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I like when it gets cold because then I don't feel bad for not going outside. Well indoor kids. But it's indoor kids. It's very nice outside. We're talking low seventies right now, especially in the What's morning. What's the humidity? I'm not a meteorologist, oh. but um it, nice. It's nice. Good. So sixty nine would you say? Nice. It was a very nice morning, and I could not get her outside, but fall is in the air, y'all. Fall, y'all. Let me ask you a question, because I was thinking about this. We're talking about Johnny Appleseed. Yes. And one, I'm pretty sure he was real. Mm. Pretty sure. But I also, as I was thinking about it, I don't know if Pecos Bill was a real person at any point. I don't think Paul Bunyan was. Was it based on something? I don't know anymore because I barely know anything. I live, most of my life exists in a fantasy world of my own creation. Um, and sometimes with Griffin's creation and now Justin's creation. So I don't know what's real and what's fake anymore. But I was thinking about, as we were coming into record today, I was like, why do I feel such a close personal connection to Johnny Appleseed? And the reason is, from something was this song Oh, the Lord's been good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed of the Lord's been good to me. Right. Yeah, so slightly different uh, slightly different tunes we had, but yeah, that uh, we used to sing that as a grace stand-in for in Girl Scouts. So my, my mom would like sing that to us as kids. That was like one of our like lullaby good night yeah. songs. Yeah. What's that from? <laughs> I mean, I remember having it in a Campfire Songs handbook. Okay. I don't know what exactly it's from, but okay. I mean, we also, when we would say it as, quote, grace, um, we would replace, we would either clap out rain because we were camping, right? You didn't uh, want the rain. Or we would say, we're going to say wind. Okay. So it's supposed to be rain, but we would often replace it. Um, so yes, we are talking about apple seeds, a Johnny Appleseed. And okay, so the song, we have that in common. But I wonder, as is often the case, oh. what? Okay, The Lord is Good to Me is a song sung in the segment The Legend of Johnny Appleseed, a segment from the 1948 animated fil- Disney film Melody Time. There cool. it is. From so 1948. Disney wrote it. Yes. Or stole it. Yes. As is their custom. Sure. But that's probably how my mom knew it and how I knew it. Yes. Um, I'm going to ask you. Oh, boy. Close your eyes. Oh, no. Tell me about how Johnny Appleseed looks in your mind's eye. He's got, I believe, a pan on his head. He's got a, his satchel over his shoulder, of course. I, in my mind, I'm going with no shoes. I'm going with no shoes. Some, like, simple 
or like, you know, sackcloth, because he's a simple man who likes the simple pleasures of life, as we've already discussed, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. Uh, and he's just going down the line across America, poking his finger in the dirt, putting an apple seed in there, looking three feet or more, doing it again. <laughs> There's no way that that's accurate, but that is who he is in my head. Okay, yeah, no, that's about the same for me and most of his depictions. Um, usually, like, baggy clothes and maybe with a stick and a bindle, right? Yeah. Um, I think the bindle includes this. I, think it's, I don't think it can be a bindle without a stick. Anyway. I don't think it's been, well, now you said it, and I've also always heard bindle stick. Oh, my God. We're, I don't know. Can I tell you another thing I was thinking about earlier when what? I was thinking about it? Is he real? I was thinking about Paul Bunyan. I was thinking about how funny it would be if it was like, who ate all the flapjacks? And Paul Bunyan was like, I did, because I'm a giant. And they were like, Paul, you're six foot two. <laughs> you ate a hundred pancakes. Are you okay? Go on. <laughs> Are you okay? No. <laughs> all right. Uh, sometimes he is wearing a raccoon skin cap or a pot on his head. That's what I always picture. Yes. Well, you said pan, which I think oh, is, a, sure. is a colloquial difference. Well, because, saucepan is a pot. Again, colloquial difference. Um, he's often depicted as scrawny, quite thin. Well, all he eats is apples, man. Probably um, not. I mean, you're not wrong. <gasps> so that's pretty close. Uh, the real Johnny Appleseed was a man named John Chapman. I'm, okay, so I'm glad his name was at least John. Yes. That's a, it'd be weird if his name was like, you know, Stephen Chapman, and he went by John. Mm-hmm. And he frequented Western Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, which is not far from us, which is why we've heard of him specifically, I yeah. think. Um, described as very lanky and slight. Um, he Because he ate very little, and we will find out he ate very specifically, um, and he traveled a lot on foot. Probably not bare feet, though, which is how I'm picturing it. He he often was barefoot well, and, yeah. did, and did brag about how calloused his feet were. But um, he was, by all accounts, very generous and often gave away his shoes. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, like, I'm often barefoot, too. Well, like, get in the shower or... No, outside. Okay. Um, so... My RA in college used to brag, like, he used to walk around barefoot like around college, and he, I asked him why, I was like, why'd you do that? And he was like, well, I did it at first to see if I could do it. And then after a while, my feet were just tough enough that it didn't bother me. And I'm sitting there thinking like, and someone put you in charge of kids here on the floor, okay. (laughs) Somebody was like, yeah, this is a good decision maker. Everybody needs a stick. I guess, why isn't your stick like the guy who never gets ringworm? You know what I mean? Like. Oh, me? I've never had a ringworm. That's kind of my thing. Um, stories do tell of his somewhat eccentric attire, which was usually a tin can hat, which is a type of tin hat. Sure. Um, not like lips, a little, like, empty can? Uh, no, not a tiny empty can. Okay. Um, and he did often wear no shoes and off, and had a kind of a cloak made out of a coffee or or flour sack, you know, that Mm -hmm. was not uncommon to use those as clothing. Um, And he frequently accepted old clothing in exchange for apple seeds and also would just give apple seeds away to people who needed them. So apple seeds really was his whole deal. Apple seeds was his whole deal. Uh, Not, you know, uh, not because he was like replanting the earth or something. You'll you'll hear. Okay. Now. 
He was born in 1774 in Massachusetts. Ah, a revolution, baby. And left home in the 1790s to settle in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, His father actually was a Minuteman at the Battle of Bunker Hill and served as an officer under George Washington. I've heard of him. Me too. He was in that one musical. Oh, two musicals, actually. Two musicals. (laughs) Um, His father was also very supportive. It would be 10 cents, but it's weird that it happened twice. If I had a nickel. Very supportive of John becoming an orchardist. Uh, and records show that his very first nurse- nursery was located in the city of Warren, Pennsylvania. Um, and Oh, nursery, like plant nursery. Yes. Okay. Um, he grew up in the time of the American, quote, frontier, right? Sure. Um, where many people were pushing west into territories that were unknown to them. Sure. Like when someone says, I discovered this great restaurant. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> someone knew where that restaurant was before you got there, Doug. Sorry, Doug, if you're listening. <laughs> and many people knew about the lands west. Yes. Of the, they lived there. The eastern seabird, <laughs> seaboard. Was, they were from there, you might say. Exactly. Um, but at the time, governments were encouraging settlers to plant orchards because they had a grounding effect. It meant people weren't just passing through. Someone mm-hmm. had to be there to take care of it, right? And the idea was that where you had an orchard, a community could, like— sure pop up around it because you had like a source of food, right? Um, And so when he was 18, he moved west to Pennsylvania with his half-brother into the city of Warren. Johnny Uh, Pearseed. No. No. Peaches, actually. Anyway. Wait, his brother did peaches? No. Peaches were another crop that was encouraged. Okay. They started an orchard. And the reason why it's so enduring today is because apples are such a perfect choice for the climate in uh, what was, you know, what was then the West. It's not really the West. Pennsylvania. (laughs) Way out West. Indeed. Um, The frontier, quote, unquote. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if right now someone was like, I've got a dream of being on the frontier, Western Pennsylvania. I know, right? Um. And they had many uses. Not only could you eat apples, ovs. You could throw them. You could make liquor. Oh, okay. Um, So during the Whiskey Rebellion of of 1794, um, there was an uprising of farmers and distillers in this particular area of Pennsylvania to protest the whiskey tax enacted by the federal government. I mean, that's because... A lot of the drinking water, people didn't understand about, you know, uh, bacteria in the water. And if you were distilling, you killed uh, it. You killed it. So a lot of people drank a lot of whiskey. Plus, it's good. You ever had whiskey? Top notch. Love that stuff. Applejack. Um, So the Ohio Company Mm -hmm. actually promised 100 acres of land to anyone who settled past their first settlement. Uh, under the condition that they planted 50 apple trees and 20 peach trees on that land. Peach, I don't see as doing very well in the north. That seems like a southern fruit to me, right? I mean, I think it's a lot easier to grow peaches in the south. Okay. Also, you only get the one, you only get the one seed from from a peach. peach. That's true. Anyway, um, so... How did John Chapman become Johnny Appleseed? Well, I can't wait to find out. But first, how about 
uh, some some promos for some other Max Fun shows. They're really good. You're gonna love these. Nice. Oh my gosh, hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture trivia podcast, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play games like motivational speeches. It goes a little like this. Riley, give us an improvised motivational speech on why people should listen and subscribe to Troubled Waters. I look around this ad and I see a lot of potential to listen to comedians such as Jackie Johnson and Josh Gondelman, and they need you to get out there and listen to them attempt to figure out sound rebus clues or determine if something is a Game of Thrones character or a city in Wales. I have chills. I'm going to give you 15 points. All that and so much more on Troubled Waters. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fantai, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period so when did john chapman change his name to johnny appleseed legally (laughs) uh well during the height of of, like i said the whiskey rebellion um chapman was living in a cabin on grants hill in pennsylvania whiskey rebellion his orchard whiskey rebellion also sounds like a fun euphemism for like i drank too much and i threw up like (laughs) my body's in a in a whiskey yeah i'm going through a bit of a whiskey rebellion right now i can't come into work um but he was struck by the German cider mills south of the city. And it hurt really bad. I mean, no, he just wasn't, oh, wasn't he, keeping like, up with it. Oh, like he was struck it. by like song? Yeah. Not like struck, like hit him. Right. Okay. How does a mill reach up and slap you? No, somebody threw it. Oh, like no. Paul Bunyan. Ah. Paul Bunyan picked up the mill. That's what we call a callback. And Pecosville rode his tornado and So he decided to push further west. And according to legend, in 1798, he gathered the leftover apple seeds from the cider mill, left his brother with some friends. I don't know how old his brother was I at mean, this point. His half-brother that started the thing with him? Yeah. Probably old enough to be cool. All right. And headed west to sell seeds to settlers. So originally, this was for selling them. Okay. Right? Um, and he went to Ohio, and I've heard of that place. It was, it was so it, his timing was so impeccable that it seemed like he could predict exactly where pioneers at the time were headed, mm. um, and he would be there before they arrived, planting nurseries. Um, and this has kind of like two things, right? At the time, you didn't have to like buy land. Right. Okay. Uh, There were no deeds or anything. Basically, if you planted something and took care of the land, it was yours. Okay. Was the idea. Well, it's like homesteaders, right? That's what a homesteader was. Sure, yeah. I mean, because that's a famous thing in Oklahoma. That's why it's called the Sooner State, because the idea was at a certain point when they had the land rush where they were like, okay, on this day, uh, you go out, you mark off the land, and if you take care of it, it's yours. And some people left before they were supposed to. 
So they're the sooner. Seniors. They went sooner than the others, and that became Oklahoma. Um, but as we know, this land did not quote belong to him. It already belonged to the indigenous peoples anyway, who were stewards of the land, not owners. But that's a story for another yeah. time. Um, and so he would make these kind of makeshift nurseries and build fences out of like natural fallen logs and things like that to kind of like mark off where he planted things. Um, and once his orchard had started to thrive and was was being taken care of, he would leave it in the hands of someone else who he was like, it was kind of like, um, like a foreman or like a steward? Like, did uh, he still own it? Like, he still, quote, owned it, right? So it was not quite sharecropping. Mm, okay. In there. But it was like, hey, take care of this for me and I'll, I'll pay you and stuff. Yeah, kind of. I'll even pay, I'll pay you in food and also you can live on my land. Sure. Kind of. Whatever. It was the wild, it was, well, Wild West was about what I was saying, but I mean, it was the Wild Western of Pennsylvania. Okay. So then, um, once the pioneers arrived, he would return to his nursery and sell the apple seedlings for six and a quarter cents. I bet that was good money back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But if you didn't have money, he was uh, willing to barter, um, or he started extending lines of credit, which is another way that he seemed generous, but maybe was not so. Well, it's interesting because I, I wonder if there was some sort of like self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Because you say like, it was like you had a sixth sense of where they were going to be, right? But if you were like, I want to look for a new like land to homestead on. And I was like, well, there's already like an orchard of apples growing there. So it's really easy to like transplant those to your place. And be like, well, then that seems like a really good place to go. So like if you could pick a land that had like good running, you know, like a fresh running stream or whatever and good land and you yeah. planted and then it's like, well, that makes it that much more likely for people to want a homestead there. Right. Well, and so he gets this upper he gets this kind of like uh generous spirit placed upon him, but like he was a pretty rich guy. He practically like he was a landowner because he cultivated the land, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, like, he, when he died, he had almost a thousand acres in his possession. Oh, wow. So, it, I always thought about him kind of like. That's, that's 10 times more than Winnie the Pooh. Yep. <laughs> I always thought of him kind of like just like moseying down a dirt road, just throwing seeds yeah, everywhere, right. right? But that's not, that wasn't it. I really did picture him as like this, uh, almost like Zen like character of like I possess nothing and nothing possesses me and I live on the I've got the sun and the rain and the amber seed and that's all I need. Well, I mean that's not entirely untrue. He was a member of a Christian denomination known as the Church of New Jerusalem. Okay. And one of the things that it taught was a man could most experience God through nature and that a good life was one lived simply. Okay. So a kind of Zen experience. Sure. Um and so here is the the other thing is uncommon for the time. He was a devoted vegetarian and he was an advocate for the protection of nature and of animals. Um, and I mean, so nowadays we know lots of people like conservationists and and vegans who abstain from meat eating for some sort of like spiritual fulfillment or value or something like that. I mean, there's all kinds of moral health. Exactly. Um, but this made 
Johnny eccentric in his time. Sure. Um, so that a lot of the stories about his his food choices and his care for animals were left out of legend. But there there are a few where he would be – he is said to have bought sick horses who were going to be put down and eaten and would release them on his – um, his orchards. And those guys love apples. Uh, yeah. Um, do you think that was ever a problem for him? He was like, oh, how do I, how do I marry my, my love of horses? But also, I don't like when they eat my apples. What a bummer. I mean, I think an, a horse would most likely want to eat the apples that fall on the ground. That's pretty true. They're really lazy. They don't like climbing up trees. Right. So if you pick the apples that are still on the trees and the horses eat the ones that are on the ground, it probably doesn't matter that much. Do you think, like... How much of this eccentricity stuff, we talk about like him wearing cloaks made out of like flower sacks and stuff, but he had money and him being like shoeless, right? Even though he had money, right? How much of this do you think was like part of the sales pitch, right? Of just like, oh, the frontier. Oh, you're a real homesteader if you buy from this guy because he's like of the land and he's like this wondering mysterious figure. He's Johnny Appleseed, you know? It's almost like when you have a used car salesman and they're like, I'm Crazy Eddie, my price, <laughs> right? Where it's just like that, this kind of seems like that kind of deal where it's like, oh, well, he's literally made a name for himself out of being this eccentric, notable character. Sure doesn't hurt. Right? Yeah. Um, he's often depicted with a dog, and that is because there's a story about him where he... Um, Turned into a dog. No. Oh, because of a ring he found, and he was a lawyer. Where he freed a trapped wolf and nursed it back to health. Uh, Wait. And that followed him around. Okay, I definitely have been influenced by this in my life. <laughs> I definitely knew that. Like, this is the thing you said that it rang so many bells because this is like a dream. This, and there's a book called My Side of the Mountain about a kid who like runs away from home or gets lost in the woods or something and like lives in a hollowed out tree and like raises a baby hawk to like be his pet. It's based on a true story. Well, the first thing I thought of was The Legend of Natty Gan, right? Oh, I don't know that. What? Sorry. Look it up right now. You must know. I Can I tell you so, what's weird in my mind? I'm conflating it with The Secret of Nim. <laughs> I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know that those are two different things. She's an orphan who had a wolf for a pet. Okay. Um, You know, and was generally awesome through all of her little scrapes. <laughs> well, okay, not little scrapes. I just love I just love how you and I are like, um, yeah, no, but mine was like a kid who lived in the woods. Like, mine was a kid in the woods. Like, yeah, but mine was a hog. Well, mine went through little scrapes. <laughs> I just like it. <laughs> Oh, wait, I definitely know this. Yeah, I definitely know about yeah. this. There was also, like, Iron Will, which was another one of, like, this boy in a sled dog. I think it's just, like, at some point, I especially Disney, would like, you know what people like? Yeah. People and dogs. Let's do it. They like they like some, uh, un, you know, uh, unforeseen people-animal pairings. Ah, John Cusack was in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, I mean, there... There are obviously a lot of kind of like I don't oh, want to star of the legend of Night Again is married to Patton Oswald now. Wow. Yeah, okay. I knew she looked familiar in the poster. So anyway. Uh the things Welcome that are like, to our podcast <laughs> who's married to Patton Oswald. They're kind of eccentric about him, right? We've talked about Patton that. Oswald? No. Oh. Johnny Appleseed. Come back. Come okay, back, I'm back. back. Reel me in, reel me in. He was a devout missionary for his faith. Sure. Uh, I mean, the Lord's been good to him. Which I would explain the song, uh-huh. right? Um, 
and it's. I, I, it will surprise our listeners not at all to know that I am not uh, a devout follower of a faith, but there is a part of me that is like satisfied that having that in the song isn't just like hokum that I wasn't just like, how do we use Johnny Appleseed mm, to talk okay. about Jesus? That's like, no, and there's historical basis for that is actually like, oh, okay, that actually makes you feel better. And he, you know, as such a, if not wealthy, prolific landowner, sure. um, he was asked more than once why he never settled down to have a wife and a family and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's reported that he said that no woman was, quote, pure enough to compare to his love of nature. Mm, I only want to marry an apple. Wait, what, Johnny? <laughs> what did you say? You heard me. He uh, never did find a wife. He hey, said can that- I also just say, uh, Johnny, uh, not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah. No woman pure enough. Why not just say, like, uh, I don't want to. I like walking around. <laughs> I, I don't want to. He always said he would, quote, find a wife later in heaven. Okay. By Anyways. then, I think everyone's going to be pretty settled, Johnny. Yeah. I don't think anyone's up in heaven, but like, finally, time to date. Come on, Johnny. The the barefoot thing you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Like I said, he was, he's often pictured barefoot. Sure. He did occasionally wear shoes, um, but he liked to brag about how his feet were so rough and callous that he could step on a needle with no pain or walk on hot coals without being burned. I bet he also used that as kind of his missionary tactic. Also, sales pitch. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. So all in all, I think that the good probably outweighs the bad, right? I mean, yeah. We haven't hit on anything, you know, whenever we do a bite, whenever you read or listen to or do a biography on someone, you always are like, oh, are we going to hit that point where it's like, well, but here's the catch, right? This just seems like he was eccentric and... Maybe a little bit more, uh, like, business-minded right. than you would expect. But he doesn't seem cutthroat about it. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem uh, like he was tricking anybody or anything. It's not like he sold them apple seeds that were actually pebbles or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, um, the apples that he planted, the apple seeds he planted, were not the kind of apples that we we think of today. They were called spitters. Were they like the little kind of sour ones? Yeah. So yeah. they were the, the small, hard apples. You get um, better cider out of those. That's it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it was great for the economy as it stood then, because since you get all of the cider out of it, it's a great um, like revenue stream, mm-hmm. right? And like I said earlier, drinking water was often unsanitary. So much to the point that the average the average pioneer was drinking 35 gallons of hard cider a year. Is that a lot? Once again, this is a thing of like, there are certain, do you ever run into this where there are certain like numbers and like if somebody said, you know, the average human being generates like 400 pounds of trash a year, right? You're like, okay, I picture that, right? I, I get that. But then there are certain things where someone's like 35 gallons a year and I'm like, I don't know. If I divide, like if somebody said you drank 35 gallons of milk a year, I'd be like, that seems like a lot. But that's also like, what, three gallons a month? That's a lot. I guess that's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. Um, And, you know, you could also drink beer. You could also drink wine. You could also drink tea, right? Because you boiled the water. Well, yeah, but I don't think people were doing tea at this time because we we're just coming off that British Revolution. We threw it into You could the- drink coffee. Yeah, but coffee's a diuretic. You shouldn't drink coffee if you want to get hydrated. <laughs> anyway. I think tea um, is too. Also, apple cider vinegar 
comes from this type of apple as well, which is great for preserving food, uh, you know, if you're a settler. Um, And then he accidentally, Johnny Appleseed, contributed to the adaptation of the apple tree because he did not believe in grafting. Which is something that a lot of our current produce is made from because we don't want it to change. Right. So if you want if I say I want an avocado, I always want the avocado to look like the avocado I know it looks like. Sure. But when you have cross pollinating plants, that doesn't happen. Right. Because they they mutate and they change. and, And over time. It, ter- it could turn into something else because that's what the tree gives you, not what you're asking And it, it makes for. it more resilient. It makes it a stronger crop, right? Because then exactly. it's growing one that survives. I've told you this about bananas, right? Mm-hmm. So for anyone at home, this is just an interesting fact that you can impress people with at parties. Um, so the the bananas we have, I believe they're Cavendish is the like um, strain of them, for lack of a better word. And they do not like have seeds, right, that are viable to plant new plants. So the only way to grow more banana plants is to graft them from cuttings, to take cuttings from banana plants. Same thing with Haas avocados. Yeah, so like every banana tree that is grown commercially is all from like this, is genetically identical um, because they're all just cuttings from the same trees over and over again. So if there was a disease that affected one of our commercial banana trees, it would hit all of them. And like the banana supply of, you know, would be wiped out. So they're trying to like grow new uh, forms of bananas and stuff that, and Mm -hmm. like figure out a way to be able to grow them from like seeds so that they can be that resilient, you know, healthy thing. Right. Um, We have golden delicious and red delicious apples because of his refusal to graft. Um, (laughs) I have to admit though, two of my least favorite ones. They um, tend towards a little bit too soft for me. The bigger apples tend to be too soft. Give me a Honeycrisp. Give me a Pink Lady. Give me a Fuji any day of the week. The smaller, crunchier, little bit sour. That's what I want in my apple. All right. So um, in 1845, it is said he took a 15-mile walk to lead an ox to repair an orchard fence. He got pneumonia. Yeah. And he was 71. That night, he uh, came to a friend's cabin where he ate a simple meal, read his Bible, and laid down to sleep on the floor. Never woke up. Put him in a bed. Well. He's 71. He doesn't want a bed. He wants to sleep on the floor. Uh, So March 11th. So he's dead. uh, Yes. Oh, man. March 11th, 1845. I hate that this is how I find out. That happens all the time on the show. Okay, so by, by all accounts, he owned more than... 1,200 acres of land during his lifetime and probably much more that he lost track of Um, because, you know, somebody who wanders around like that probably isn't a good bookkeeper. (laughs) Um, But he left everything to his sister and it is believed that he lies in an unmarked grave in a town just north of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm going to find it. Um. And by unmarked, there is a a, a stone, a simple stone, uh, that reads, he lived for others. Oh, okay. Um, is there an apple tree growing out of the middle of the grave? No. Because, oh. 
No, there isn't. Um, But there is one apple tree that he planted that is still alive in Nova, Ohio. There is a 176-year-old apple tree, which is one of the last known apple trees planted by him. Wow. Um, Most fruit trees live about only 45 years um, because disease and, you know, it takes a lot of energy to make fruit. So how did this one tree? grow like 170 some years? Grafting. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he hated it, but this one, I guess, is fine. Okay. Um so you can you can visit that quote unmarked grave. Um you can also see in Massachusetts there is a recreation of his childhood home. Um, and there is a I bet they festival. leaned a little harder into apple decor than was probably there probably. originally. You know they're like, well, we should put some apples. We should put some apples, put some apples around. Uh, there's also a Pioneer Festival um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, that they hold in Chapman's honor. Uh, you know, demonstrations, games, farmer's market, and, you know, apples. Sure. Well, that's great. I'm glad he wasn't a piece of crap. Yay. (laughs) So often we do a little bit of these, like, kind of icons of especially U.S. history. Yeah. And we find out that it's not super awesome. Usually with the white folks, it's like, oh, no. Um, But he doesn't seem to be a piece of crap. So that's great. Hooray! Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to our writer and researcher, Alex, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to you for listening. We could make the show without you. But why? Why? I <laughs> uh, also want to say thank you to our Max Fun Home. Check out all the other amazing shows there. If you Some wanna... new ones coming up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go check it out if you haven't in a while. MaximumFun.org. See all the new shows there. Pick a new favorite, a new old favorite. But keep listening to us. Yeah, don't. Yeah, that goes without saying. Um, and if you want to check out the other McRoy projects, you can go to McRoy.family. Check out all the great McRoy merch at McRoyMerch.com. That should be easy to remember. And tours coming up. Yeah, check out those live shows at bit.ly slash McRoy tours. We got, let's see, when we, I think you're going to listen to this. Uh, yeah, they're, we're doing uh, San Jose and Denver next week. So make sure you go check that out. Bit.ly slash Tours. What else, Teresa? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast, where we get um, listener-submitted questions when we call for those on our topics. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, uh, go ahead and join that group today. Um, also, please continue to submit your topic suggestions. We've gotten a lot of great ones in. Um, also, your idioms. I'm looking forward to our next idiom episode. I Always. love those episodes. And say hi to Alex because she reads every one. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.